get salvation, you get the land of your inheritance when you have enough faith to take the step to cross over from the person you once were to the person God wants you to be in Jesus Christ. It's time to cross over. What are you waiting for? Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Over the past few weeks, Pastor Trent has been teaching us from the book of Joshua in this series called Onward. The main thing we've learned is this, the direction of the Christian life is onward. So far in this series, we've learned from Joshua's example of what it means to be strong and courageous as he led God's people towards the promised land. Well, in today's message, we'll hear what God wants all believers to remember as we follow him. With a message titled, Never Forget, here's Pastor Trent. This past week, we spent a little time in Arizona at our annual Harvest Senior Pastors Retreat. So we were surrounded by Harvest Senior Pastors and just had a fantastic time. And um, on the way back, I was standing in line at the airport through that security cattle stall thing they've got going on there in the Phoenix airport. And it was like a 45-minute thing to get through the security. But while I was standing there, um, my phone started to blow up and it turns out that the hotel that I had just checked out of was calling to inform me that I had forgotten something. I left my laptop. That's what I said. I mean, I don't, I would rather forget one of my children than my laptop, you know, and I've been known to carry my laptop places where I've forgotten my children. How many of you are a little forgetful? Okay, some of you aren't humble enough. How many of your spouse is a little forgetful? Okay, good. Thank you for the honesty to confess someone else's sin. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm at times a little forgetful. There's, there's things that we have a tendency to forget. Do you know that God's people are prone to forget some things? And so this morning, what we're going to see is we open up to the third chapter of the book of Joshua. Everybody do that right now. Open your Bible to Joshua chapter 3. We're going to find out that God... Because he knows his people are prone to forget, gives some reminders. There are some things that God never wants us to forget because there are some things that if we forget them, we stop moving onward. We're going to see that vividly illustrated through three very specific, very visual reminders here in Joshua. Now, I want to give you a little warning here as we start. This is a high scripture content message. We're going to cover three chapters in Joshua. It's okay. You can breathe. We're still going to get out at the same time. We're not going to look at every single verse, but we're going to look at some particular things that God wants us to see in chapter 3, chapter 4, and chapter 5. Each one of those three chapters has a different visual reminder. And we've been kind of front-loading the message with a sentence. If I only could tell you the message in one sentence, here is what it would be. God wants me to remember His faithfulness with every step I take onward in faith. 
We will stop taking steps onward when we forget how faithful and how gracious and how good God is. And so we're going to see these three reminders from Joshua chapter 3, chapter 4, and chapter 5. And of course, the story here is if you're, if you're new, understand what we're doing here. Um, we believe that God wrote a book, and when we meet together as God's people, we believe there's some things that God wants us to be reminded of in the book. So we open it up, we kind of go verse by verse through the book here. And so uh, just to catch you up if you're new, God has a promised land that He wanted His people to enter into thousands of years ago. That piece of land is still being fought over today. And yet as God's people went in, His promise is that they were to get in the land, they were to get on to a place in the land, and they were to get all that God had for them in the land. And there are lessons for you and I because God wants every one of us as His people to be moving onward. The direction of the Christian life is always onward. No matter how far you've wandered, no matter how far you've come, there is something out there God wants you to get on with and to get into and to get all that God has for you. And so there's all kinds of lessons for us here in the book of Joshua. Now, here's the first reminder. We're going to see it in Joshua chapter 3. I'll just give it to you this, this way. There is something that God wants to remind me, and it's this. He wants to remind me who is with me. So the first point is this. I will never forget who is with me. Let's see it here from Joshua chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning. How many of you are that kind of person? God bless you. Pray for the rest of us as you get up early in the morning, okay? How many of you need a little reminder to get up in the morning? Call it an alarm clock. Yeah, you need a little reminder. Well, Joshua, I don't know what he had, but he got up early in the morning and they set out from Shittim and they came to the Jordan. The Jordan was a river, not a basketball player. It was a, it was a, it was a river. Now you have to insert yourself in the story, okay? Possibly two million Israelites who had spent 40 years in a wilderness wandering around had now come onto the east bank of this Jordan River. They're staring across and they're, they're wondering, when are we going to get to go over? When are we going to cross over? Josh was leading them now and this is the climactic moment. They came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed over. And in the, at the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant, underline that, the Ark of of the covenant. That's the first visual reminder. We'll come back and unpack that in just a moment. As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Underline the word follow. That is what the Christian life is all about. It's about following the Lord. Verse 4, yet there shall be a distance between you and it about 2,000 cubits. How tall are you? I doubt you would give me your height in cubits. How many of you have measured something in a cubit lately? So let's, let's make the conversion here. 2,000 cubits is approximately 1,000 yards, roughly three football fields, about a half a mile. So the ark was to be in front of them but they were not to get too close to it. There was to be a gap. There was to be a distance of about a half a mile. 
why the distance? We'll come back and explain that in a minute. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits, or half a mile in length, and do not come near it in order that you may know the way that you should go. For you have not passed this way before. God was leading them to a place they had never been before. That's one of the lessons for us here this morning. No matter where you at, you no, no matter where you are, no matter how far you've come, there is a journey God wants to take you on that you've never experienced before. And some of us are afraid to move onward because we're not quite sure God is going to go with us. That's the, the lesson in the story. If we're going to go some places we've never been before, we need to be assured that God is going with me. And so that's what God was calling them to do here in verse 5. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders or wonderful things among you. See the word consecrate there in verse 5? Interesting word. We don't use that so much anymore. You don't tell your children at the end of the day, I want you to go up into the bathroom, run some bath water, and consecrate yourself. The word consecrate simply means to wash. And can you get the picture here? Again, you have to insert yourself in the story. These people have been wandering around a desert for 40 years. How many layers of dust do you think were on the children? And God says, before you cross over into that land, we want you to leave every speck of dust from this land behind. Don't bring the residue of the wilderness into the promised land. It's a great picture for us, right? The place that we were when the Lord found us and the place God wants to bring us into the promised land of faith and grace and salvation. He doesn't want any of the former you contaminating the new you in the new place that He's going to bring you. He wants to completely and thoroughly wash you of your dusty past. It's a great word picture for us. Then in verse 6, And Joshua said to the priest, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Let's just stop right there. Let's talk about this Ark of the Covenant. Now, when I say the word Ark, if you're thinking about a big boat with a bunch of animals, wrong Ark, okay? That's a different place in the Bible. That's, the, that's Noah, right? Remember him? This is a different ark. As a matter of fact, the word ark just simply means container or chest or box. This ark of the covenant was something that God specifically instructed the priests to construct and carry. This box contained the two stone tablets that God used his own finger to write the Ten Commandments on. God never wanted them to forget His law, and so He needed a box to carry the law. There was something else in there. There was the provision of manna. There was a bowl of manna. Those 40 years in the wilderness, God fed them on the way with something called manna. What is manna? 
The answer to that question is yes, because the name of manna means, what is it? So what is manna? What is it? Yes. That's, that's what it is. We don't really know what it was. I like to think of it as a Krispy Kreme donut myself, okay? That, but in, in this container was the two tablets of the Ten Commandments and a bowl of manna, and I think Aaron's uh, staff was in there as well. It looks something like this. It wasn't all that big. It was only about four feet long. It was two and a half feet wide, two and a half feet tall. It was completely covered with gold. It was beautiful. It was ornate. On top, the lid was completely gold, and it had the image of two angels with outstretched wings over their head, covering their face, till the the tips of those two wings almost touched. This was a piece of furniture that was put in the tabernacle, the place where God's people came to worship, and most importantly, the place where the priest one day a year on the Day of Atonement would sacrifice an animal. The blood would be shed. The blood of that animal would be sprinkled across the mercy seat. The mercy seat was actually the lid or the top of the Ark of the Covenant. And symbolically... The people understood this is the place where God is. Now, this is the days before the Holy Spirit was given to the church to indwell believers. And so you had to go and meet with God. And so the priest would would sacrifice this animal and sprinkle the blood over the mercy seat. It was the picture of God's nature to redeem and to cleanse and to be merciful and to to bring lost, dirty, sinful people into His presence. It was a picture of atonement that this blood sacrifice would atone for the sins of His people, an innocent animal. It was, of course, a preview of coming attractions when one day, thousands of years later, God would send His Son as the perfect Lamb of God to shed His blood, to sacrifice once and for all for the sin of all people. And so this was a preview of of coming attraction. There was something else that happened on the Day of Atonement. Not only was one animal sacrificed, but there was a, a goat that would be present. And the priest would put his hands on the head of that goat, and he would pray, and he would confess the sins of the people. And did he know what he would do with that goat? He would set that goat free. And that goat was known as the scapegoat. As he was set free, all of that happened around this piece of furniture. And Joshua told the people, pick it up, carry it, and follow the ark. Symbolically, go where God goes. And it was interesting. He told them, be close enough that you can see it, but don't get too close. Keep some distance. And the idea was that when the priest carrying this thing took a step, the people were to take a step. When the priest stopped, the people were to stop and make sure there is some distance between. Why did he tell them, be close enough to see it, but don't get too close? Well, it's symbolic of how we should properly view God. There's two doctrines that we believe in our view of God. And and Christians have a tendency to get in one ditch or the other. We always want to knock the 
sides out of the grandfather clock in the pendulum as we think about God. These two doctrines is what we call the transcendence of God and the imminence of God. Let me explain these two terms. The transcendence of God is, is simply the fact that we believe God is holy. He is not like us. He is sinlessly perfect. He has moral perfection. There's a place in the Bible where it says that God dwells in unapproachable light. In other words, you, you want to keep a little distance. As a matter of fact, there's places in the Old Testament where people got too close to the ark and they died because of the holiness of God symbolized there in the ark. We believe in the transcendence of God. Uh, older theologians sometimes talk about the otherness of God. So, if your view of God is kind of like your grandfather that hands out candy and, and quarters and has that long beard and you just crawl up in his lap and you stroke his beard, and if that's your view of God, you need a healthy dose of the transcendence of God. You are treating God a little too casually. And you're not treating God, viewing God as holy. God is not something to be played around with. Some of you of more sanguine personalities, if you were part of the Israelite people there, you'd probably want like, man, I wonder if we can get a ride on that thing. Why don't we just sit on there and play around? Listen, some of you treat God way too casually. And you need to be reminded this morning through the picture of the ark, God is holy. Don't mess around with God. Don't treat him lightly. You might want to keep your distance because he's not like you. Now, that's one doctrine, but there's a balancing doctrine in the Bible, and it's what we understand as the imminence of God. Not only is God holy, but God is near. He said, make sure you're following it. In order to follow it, you have to be able to see it. You have to be close enough to see it. You see, some people that take uh, the doctrine of transcendence to its furthest extreme, they end up in a ditch over here, and they think that God is somehow unknowable. He's just he's kind of this ancient God of the past. And, and like he created the world and he wound it up, but he just kind of stepped back and was like, just let it go. And surely God is not really interested in me and my issues. And, you know, he probably doesn't really hear my prayers. And you're treating God way too impersonally. And you need to be reminded not only is God holy, God is near. He knows you. He's concerned about you. He's concerned about the hurts and the pain that you brought in this auditorium right now. And he wants you to get a little closer so that you can follow. God is a God who can be known. And that is only possible because Jesus Christ has come to make God known. He was the image of the invisible God, the perfect imprint of God's nature. Through Jesus, God can be known. God is holy, but God is near. God is transcendent, but God is imminent. Don't treat God too 
casually and don't treat God too impersonally. That's one of the reminders that the ark gives us. That's why he told them, follow it, but keep your distance. It's a good reminder for us this morning as well. I want you to look over at uh, verse 13. Let's get down to the end of the chapter here. Let's find out what happened. So they're about to cross over the the priests are carrying the ark before them. In verse 13, it says this, When the soles of the feet of the priest bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So if you've been paying attention, you should have been asking the question, How is an entire nation going to get into a land that is bordered by a body of water? Well, fortunately, God has already proven that is not too difficult a task for Him. The generation before, God parted the Red Sea to get them across out of Egypt. Now He's going to do the same miracle with a different leader, Joshua, not Moses, to prove that as God was with Moses, God is with Joshua. It's not about the man, it's about the God of the man. And so here they are, and he says, these priests, the waters are not going to stop until the people of faith take a step. Now, can you? what, what if you were one of the priests, and you're the first to go over... This current is flowing, and you're thinking, okay, God, just we're ready for you to, to part the waters. Go ahead and stop that, and, and then we'll cross over. Do you see the sequence in verse 13? That's not the way God wanted it to happen. God wanted them to take a step before the waters stopped. Would you have had enough faith to take the step? What if they took the step, but God didn't stop the waters? We'd have a bunch of drowned priests. That's a problem. And so it took an incredible amount of faith for these men to take the first step. Let's find out what happened here in verse 14. So when the people set out from the tents and passed over the Jordan with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priest bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks through the time of harvest. Don't you love the part in the parentheses right there? In case you were thinking they were finding the shallow places to cross over... Just to let you know, this was a time that the Jordan River was flooded. It was the deepest part of the river. It was the deepest season to cross cross over. And it was going to take a miracle in order to get these people across. And in verse 16, it says, The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at a city called Adam. Adam was about 19 miles up river. When God made a way, he made a big way. They're like, we got a lot of people to get over. This is not going to be like the security line at the Phoenix airport. Not one by one. We're all going over together. We're going to give you a 19-mile gap to get you over. And so he stops the water, and that... uh, 
He he gives us some more details. Now look down at verse uh, 17. Now the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. Notice, it was dry ground. It wasn't even muddy. God not only parted the waters, He dehydrated the mud so that their feet didn't even get dirty on the way. It says, On dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over. What's the lesson for us? There are some steps of faith that are required by God's people if we're going to move onward. And unfortunately... Some of you have stopped moving onward because you are waiting for God to make it easier for you to take a step. And God is saying, move, step. That looks dangerous. That looks a little risky. God says, show me your faith. Take the step and move. The only way you get in to heaven is by having enough faith to take the step that God is calling you to take. You don't get it by osmosis. You don't get it by just hanging around the people of God or hanging around church. You get salvation You get the land of your inheritance when you have enough faith to take the step to cross over from the person you once were to the person God wants you to be in Jesus Christ. It's time to cross over. What are you waiting for? Do you understand God has given you the reminder, this picture? We don't need an ark anymore. Jesus Christ is the true and better picture of our ark. He's the one that crossed over before us. Before us, He went through the judgment of God's wrath. The waters passed over Him so He could make a way for us to cross over into the life that He wants us to have, the place of forgiveness and grace and, and, and enjoying the presence and the pleasure of God. What are you waiting for? Some of the rest of you, you've been a Christian for years. You crossed over into salvation years ago, but you've stopped moving onward. You've stopped taking steps of faith because it looks a little risky. And what God wants to remind you of is this. I am with you. In every battle you fight, every time you're under attack, in every temptation, I am with you. Take the step of faith. Some of you, you've been hurt and there's pain in your heart. God wants to remind you, I am with you in the pain. Some of you are isolated, you're lonely. God wants to remind you, you can trust me. Take the step of faith, follow me. I am with you. Well, no matter how far you've wandered or how far you've come, the direction of the Christian life is always onward. As Pastor Trent Griffith encouraged us today, God wants to take you on a journey that you haven't yet experienced. When you trust Him and obey Him by faith, you can have the assurance that He is going with you. Well, each week at Harvest Bible Chapel, Pastor Trent boldly teaches from the Bible just like you've heard here today. 
If you're in the area and are looking for a place to grow in your relationship with Christ, we invite you to join us at a weekend worship service on one of our two campuses in Granger, Indiana or St. Joseph, Michigan. You can find service times and campus locations on our website, harvestgranger.org. And if you're a Resonate listener living in Elkhart County, looking for a church in your own community, we'd love to hear from you. Just fill out the form at harvestgranger.org slash Elkhart, and we'll keep you posted with updates as we explore the possibility of an extension campus near you. Well, I'm Aaron Paulus. Thanks for joining us today. And I hope that God's word will resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger. Visit us online at harvestgranger.org.